Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. We're going to talk about it. I was going to preach a message pretty much, uh, and I really felt the Lord say, hey, this is what you're preaching. That's a Wednesday night message when we all come together. The one I gonna, was going to preach, I switched it up. And it was cool because my father-in-law, who God bless him, I love him. He was in our first service and it wrecked him. And he's like, that's why I came to church today. He's in town visiting. And if it was just for him, I already know. He's like, I needed to hear that. And I literally, been my father-in-law for 16 years, I've never seen him cry. So it got a little, you know that awkward man moment when like, I was watching my, oh, what do I do? Do I hug him? He's my father-in-law. Do I say it's going to be okay? Or I, like, so I just went all in and we did this awkward kind of moment. We looked at each other, but it felt right. It felt right. So it was like good. It's like awkward man hug, but it was like between deepness. So I just love the fact that the message was only for him. I'm pumped. And uh, now you're the bonus. So you're the bonus. So Really, uh, the title of my message is Tucker Church and a Spirit of Self-Control. It's what I learned last night. And why, why I say that is, so we had Tucker Carlson come in. We took some major heat as a church for it, which I thought was hilarious. But I purpo- pur- you know, purposely love, I, some people call it conflict. I call it carefrontation. Um, and uh, so I never delete trolls. Uh, my wife jumped on my phone a couple times and deleted a few because she thought I was getting too into it. Um, but I, I like the trolls that pipe off to me because I, I really want to engage, like, where are you coming from? Like, whoa. So I would say like 10 of them were really coming at me hard over this Tucker event we were going, and uh, three off the rails. So I, I couldn't even have like, you know, a good conversation with three of them. But I would say the other seven of the seven, uh, two of them, we're having the best conversation still right now. It's been for like two weeks now. We're going back and forth, good dialogue. They got past the name calling. I, you know, just called them out on that. I was like, you know, man up. Let's have a real conversation. The other ones, not sure where they're going to land, but I'm going to stay in the heat with them. We'll see what happens. So I'll keep you posted. But my goal is all of them, let's get them all to church. You know, it's like, bam, I got them on my, I call it my smash list. So whenever someone's like really, irritable. I have a little smash list. I just write their name on it. That's where the Holy Spirit smashes them. So I'm like, just smash them. So I just pray their name, Lord, bless them, convict them, whatever you do, Lord, just smash them in your Holy Spirit so I can have a normal conversation. And uh, it's, it's actually as Christians, what we're called to do. Like, it's amazing for me. I grew up, like I call it the insecure faith. I grew up in a and at church, we didn't, uh, we never talked about, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was just the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I didn't even know there were gifts. I mean, shoot, who doesn't want to know there's gifts for the kingdom? I was like, man, I feel like I was like walking around with half a flapper, you know? It's like, then I got the other wing, you know? It's like, man, full gospel. What do you know? And it was amazing how much upset it was causing in my family when I came to Awaken Church back in the day, but my mom was so happy because she knew I was off the rails and I was living in the world. So for me just to come back to church, she was pumped out of her mind. 
And then she's like, oh man, they're a spirit-filled church. (laughs) She didn't know what to do. She goes, okay, just don't let your grandpa know. I'm like, why? He's like one of my best friends. You know, he's he was my, he's called the pastor growing up. I mean, he was in prison ministry. He's a Lutheran pastor. She goes, he might, I don't want you to give him a heart attack. He's only got a few years left. He's still strong. And I just don't want that to be the thing that sends him over the edge. I'm like, whoa, we're taking this serious. Uh, so it's very interesting. So today, really, what I want to preach on is that spirit of self-control because I'm a passionate person. And I never want to get so passionate, I turn people away from the gospel. Matter of fact, I love it when I find out that I don't mind rubbing people wrong, because at the end of the day, no one's a bigger cheerleader for people than I am. And they might not like my way of doing it, my way of preaching the tithe message, because I'm so in the faith. I mean, but can't we have a conversation as brothers and sisters? Like, let's just do this thing. Like, let's talk about it. And if I'm wrong, listen, I have no problem falling on a sword. Like, it's not about being right or wrong. This is about, let's do life in the most epic way possible as believers. So I just, I had this message. I didn't preach it, but I, I, uh, I, it was called Kingdom Matters. And I'd love for all of you to get my notes. You can text 55525, Kingdom Matters. And there's no sales pitch. There's no link. I don't need to collect your email. It's nothing. It's just, I taught it at, it's at our team staff meeting. Because I needed us as a team to be able to have carefrontation meetings. And it was amazing. I, I had a coaching. Uh, I was coaching with this gentleman maybe 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, it was 2010. So 12 years ago? Time flies. Man, that's unbelievable. But it was just like yesterday. And I paid him a lot of money to coach me. And he gave me this breakdown psychologically of what it was going to be like coaching with him. He says, you will be offended. You will be, you have blind spots. There's some of it's ignorant, some of it's blind spots, some of it is your whatever. Let's, I need you to know that I am here. You're paying me to cheer you on, but I cannot let you get triggered where you shut down. It is too important for you to be successful in life for you to get shut down and waste a moment. So he gave me this whole discourse, which I took notes on like crazy. What was crazy is I just moved, going through boxes, I found this old thing. I was reading going, I'm taking my church to the next level. (laughs) You know, I was like, whoa. So then I went on a full deep dive Bible study on what would Jesus say about these points? Because he was a believer, but he was teaching me in the secular world about business, psychology, offense. Don't get taken out. Don't let your team get taken out. Stay in it. You are going to develop. Everyone that works for you, you are going to develop. And your goal is to push them to a point where they get breakthrough, not breaking them, but breakthrough. Some will, some won't. Who cares who's next? Was his quote that he told me. He goes, if they don't want to get breakthrough, you just got to move on, hire somebody else that does. So I was programmed, some will, some won't. Who cares who's next? Little shallow in the church world, I know. But but I overlaid some Christianity of great sermon at biblical references that backed up that teaching. So that's kingdom matters, all one word, 55525, get it, read your notes, just apply it to your life. It will help you in business. It will help you if you're a connect group leader. It will help you if you're doing some sort of Bible study. It will help you in any area of your relational life because we are getting to a point where people walk on eggshells all the time, except me. I, have a ref- I refuse to walk on eggshells. 
I'd be, I just said, you know what? I love people. And if they're going to put me in a frame to walk on eggshells, I'm not doing it. I want to be totally authentic. I wear it right on the sleeve. What you see on Sunday is what you get on Monday is what you get on Tuesday. I'm not one person over here because I grew up detested saying, I'm never going to church again. I don't like Christians. And I definitely don't like pastors. <laughs> and then I met Pastor Jurgen, who messed up my whole world, messed up all my plans for what I thought was the right way to do things. And he was just loving me through my stuff. And it was annoying. And he was still there. I'd be like, I'd give him shock and awe, and he'd still be there. And I just realized, man, this guy really does care about people, and he cares about me, and he wants to see me win. I thought, like, why does this guy care so much that I win? Why is this guy so invested? Why is, it was amazing. You know, even with stuff with my wife and I, we'd go through, I'd call him and be like, all right, he's definitely, oh. He canceled date night and said, get over here. Join my wife and I. We're, let's work this out right now. Like, it's your date night. And he goes, this is super important. And I realized there was something fighting for me, fighting for my family, fighting for my victory. I want to be that person for every, everybody that I know. And so as Awakened Church, no matter what filter you come in with, we're going to cheer you on. But guess what? Jesus does the saving. We're going to do the discipling the best way we knew how. Might get messy. We might mess up, but we'll fall on our sword. We'll, we, but what else are you going to do? Go somewhere else that makes it safe? Listen, your growth and your kingdom doing something radical for the kingdom, you can't play it safe. There is a destiny and a purpose on the inside of you and a calling that our job is to ignite on fire. And if we see some embers, we're going to blow on them so you can walk this thing out. A lot of golfers today. I see it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Listen, if it was fourth quarter, your favorite football team, you're down on the one-yard line, you'd be losing your mind cheering, screaming, just going nuts. I just want to let you know, there's a Savior that loved us so much that he died on a cross, went down to hell, crushed the devil, laid down his life for us. Man, we got to make sure you're the most enthusiastic people you know. When there's something gospel preaching, man, let's go. Let's lose our mind. I'm telling you, and I, I don't need, I don't need the hand claps, but Jesus does. And I want to tell you, the more that you get into it, your kids are watching you, the more passionate you are about Jesus, not like drive down and throw a Bible out your window and knock someone out. But I mean, the more passionate about Jesus you are, it's contagious for your kids. I grew up in a very like Presbyterian-esque Church, like my parents were very, it was honor. It was your last name. It was a man of your, your word is your word. You shake on it. You better deliver. I mean, we, my dad never did contracts. I mean, he was just like, this is your, he was a Marine too. You know what I mean? So it's like, my dad just taught me, you know, if you're starting job at eight o'clock, be there at 755. Yeah. But eight o'clock, you're there at eight o'clock. And it was amazing because now that I own restaurants, you want to find these kids who show up on time. You know, that's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, oh, that's kind of crazy. So they either respect the paycheck or they respect the manager in charge. But it's like, man, someone used to tell me to take out the trash. I'd be like, yes, sir, I'm taking the trash out. But I want to tell you something. A revelation is how many people know they want to do a, a calling, God's calling them on their life. And you know, you're supposed to step out and start a job and 
September 1st, or you're going to start your own business, or you're going to start your own video thing, or you're going to do something online, or you know you're, you're just going to do some side gig, but you know you, you say, I'm going to do it. And then when September 1st comes, guess what? You didn't do it. But if it was anything else, you'd be doing it. God's telling you to do it. So there's some self-respect that needs to be healing on the inside of you to honor yourself to know that God's putting something in you. And even today, I just I didn't even preach this in the first service, but I know someone needs to hear this. God's calling you to step out to do something you haven't been doing it. Because guess what? If someone else, you work for somebody, you're getting a paycheck, told you to do something, out of respect, you'd do it. But I need you right now, I don't know who this is for, but I need some self-respect for yourself. God is honoring you. You're about to do it. You're going to step out. And if he gave you a date or you know the date, you know you're going to do it, you pop the clutch and you do it. If you need friends around you to pray for you to do it, find people that are not just talkers about doing it, but are doing it. And God's going to heal you into believing in yourself because he believes in you. And we're a church that believes in you. We we believe in champions that are going to do things for the kingdom they've never done before. Don't let that that self-doubt creep in because the enemy wants to make sure that he's lying to you about playing small and staying small. Whoever's that for, come find me afterwards. I'm going to pray for you. Because that's almost like yelling in my ear right now for you to step into your breakthrough. That's why I love the family, little public square family up there. Shout out to all you guys, Michael. Hey, at Pathfinders, I was so impressed. Your dad and I had a moment in the bathroom, which don't get awkward. Don't get awkward. But he was like, he was choked up over his son who just knocked it out of the ballpark on an interview. And, and his son, Michael, spoke with authority. He knew his calling. He knew his mission. He was mission focused and there was an anointing on it. And I said, man, if every believer had that mojo, we'd be unstoppable. Our country wouldn't be in the mess that we're in, but that bold faith, even though that's good parenting, even that's good anointing, at some point, Michael had to say, I own it. You know, your, your mom and dad can do whatever they can. We can do whatever we can. We can bring, invite our friends to church. We can bring them to church. We can share the gospel with them. We can share the good news. By the way, it is good news. We can do all these things, but we can't push someone over the edge. They got to know on the inside. That's why God gives us free will. I don't even know what that was about, but that was for somebody. It gets me fired up when, I, when the devil tries to steal dreams from people. Because the kingdom is about restoring dreams and getting you into breakthrough and believing. That's what this church is about. It's called the house of transformation. Jesus saves. We disciple. We set up an environment for you to have transformation. If you're not, then you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself and figure that out. Because the formula, we've watched it happen lots of times. So if you're getting stuck somewhere, let's just get together, men's prayer, women's prayer, whatever it is, and figure out where the site, where the wheel the Krebs cycle of the kingdom is broken. And we're going to fix that and watch you accelerate walking in the high calling and gifting that God's called you to do. Okay, I feel better about it now. All right. Really what I want to talk about is the spirit of self-control. And we're going to get into this world word called civil discourse. Here's why. We 
have a mission to do. I was talking with this guy from the uh, ADF, is the Alliance Defending Freedom. He's an attorney. He preached here recently. Well, one of his high, you know, high-profile guys that works with him, Jeff Hoyle, we've just hit it off. And so we, we probably talk once or twice a week. And he was sharing with me something very, very disturbing that's been going on, which I'm going to show you just a real brief clip of it uh, in a second. But I really thought like, man, as a church, we got to level up our game. And I went through it and I was like, all right, Jesus, how did you handle civil, civil discourse? Meaning you can have an atheist and a Christian talk and there is an explosion. You're not going to punch each other in the face. You're going to have an intellectual conversation. And still at the end, you might agree to disagree, but you're still going to be for one another. How can we get, I can't even like, it's, it's so many friends are being divided over left and right, blue and red. It's amazing how the enemy, this is how I know it's the enemy. There's a spiritual battle causing division in our country over people that I've been friends with for 30 years. I had a guy in my wedding that was losing his mind over COVID with me because of our stances, losing his mind. He since apologized, we're great friends still, and it's because I was willing to have civil discourse and get through his hurt, wound, whatever it was, because I loved him, and trust me, I had the Holy Spirit praying for myself every single day, Lord, help me, I want to punch Lance in the face. (laughs) I had to uh, block him on my phone for one week because he was just getting out of, it was a spirit though. And the minute we got through that, I could see my friend again, I was willing to fight for my friend. But it's amazing how many people are, losing relationships over something where the enemy's coming to divide. But as Christians, we're called to be the salt and the light, but we're also called to step up our game. The Bible says in Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I'm not going to lower my bar to make my friend feel better, but I'm not going to make it personal. I'm not going to judge him. I am going to love him through whatever seasons he in, and we will agree to disagree. That is civil discourse. Jesus in John 18, 4 through 10, Jesus was betrayed, and it was just in our Bible reading plan, if you're on the one just a couple days ago, but it messed me up how he was willing to be sold out by Judas, willing when the guards came, he just was chill. He's like, where's Jesus of that's just, I am he, here I am. And then the power of God slayed them all in the spirit. That would have been freaky. If I was a guard, I would have been out of there. But they got back up and they asked the question again, where's Jesus? He goes, I am he, here I am. And then Peter loses his ish, no spirit of self-control, cuts, a, cuts an ear off. Jesus like, let me just grab that. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> if you were that Roman guy, come on. You know you would have been saved right there your ear gets reattached. What else do you need to know that's the savior of the world? I don't know what else you know. I would be right there. Dude, I'm not arresting you. Run as fast as you can. I'll hold them off. You reattach my ear. I'm doing that. Okay. But didn't happen that way. But it's amazing that story. If you really think about it, how he was able to stand in the middle of the heat and still love everybody. In John 8, 3, um, through 11, the uh, the woman pretty much, the casting of the stones. She was having affairs. And here Jesus was totally calm. All these people yelling, screaming, stones in their hand, gets down, starts writing stuff in the dirt. We don't know what it is. People have had lots of different conclusions. I don't care. You know what I care about? Civil discourse. He just sat there and he said, he didn't argue with them. He didn't give all these points. He just got down on a knee 
started writing some stuff. And finally, all the accusers were gone. He says, where are they now? Send no more. Her life was changed due to his reaction to the mob. It was amazing. In John 4, 7 through 26, Jesus worked out a situation in love. The Samaritan woman at the well called her out on pretty much having multiple dudes. He was talking about soul ties, been sleeping with over five different people. He's like, no, you're not married to any of these. Change your ways, girl. He didn't sit there and judge her and guilt her and shame her. He loved her, had a difference of opinion, was able to show her what love looked like, felt like, and she changed her heart, changed her ways, and left and wanted to change her life due to the way Jesus encountered her sin. It's amazing to understand they didn't think alike. She was a Samaritan woman. They didn't. She's like, what are you doing here? But at the end of the day, she got healing in her life because of how he responded to her. How are our responses on social media right now? How are we doing? And by the way, I'm preaching it to myself. But one of my favorites is this, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. Three gospels talk about one man, the rich, young ruler. And Jesus, what I love about it, says, he's like, what do I have to do to follow you? What do I have to do to enter the kingdom? What do I have to do? And Jesus tells him. He didn't water it down. He didn't lower the bar. He just told him the truth. And then it says he left sad. He was unwilling to do what Jesus said. But you don't see Jesus begging him, come on, follow me. Come on, don't be an idiot. He didn't unfollow him. He just, he just said, all right, here's the bar. This is what it takes. And he just set the standard because he was so confident in who he was and what he believed, what he knew in his spirit. And he, he probably prayed for that kid. But he wasn't willing to call him names. Hey, like, what are you doing? You're going to lose everything. You're going to go to the smoking section. I created non-smoking. Listen, go there. That was a joke that only 20% of you got. Not that funny, but I'll work on the punchline. Heaven and hell. Heaven and hell. That's what they wanted. But I'm not into that. I like smoking, non-smoking. Trying to give a little, you know, was it too progressive? I don't want to go woke. I did? Okay. Heaven or hell, guys. Okay. But I love it because what's the Bible say about self-control in Proverbs 25, 28? He has no rule over his own spirit. It's like a city that was broken down and without walls. Proverbs 15, 18. Hot-tempered person starts fights, but a cool-tempered doesn't. It's that easy. It's amazing. Proverbs 16, 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Listen, I'm telling you, James 1.19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, the right way of doing things. What's amazing how triggered we can get on social media, how triggered we can get with someone that believes different than us. What I love about being a pastor, but still having a full-time job in the world, you know, I still adjust a lot of people, probably 10, 12% of my practice is gay or lesbian. And you know what? I didn't make them all quit when I became a pastor. Hey, you can't get adjusted anymore. Am I an idiot? No, I love them more. And you know what's been amazing? Is I've been able to witness them, to answer them questions, to talk to. They would have never had that experience. I'm closer with that community. And God has given me a grace to talk to them. I don't water it down. I don't lower the bar. Not one of them has quit. They are all so fascinated that I'm their chiropractor. And they are picking my mind all the time about their life. 
and their lifestyle and knowing that I will see them in church. Two of them have been to our church. One partner got saved and now I'm navigating a whole new ball of wax. I'm like, Lord, you want to help me work this out? And he goes, don't worry, I'm with you. Just tell them the truth and the truth will set you. Do not be conformed by this world, but be by the renewing of your mind. We are created by God for God to love his kids, not judge his kids. You're not Holy Spirit Junior. But it's amazing. Some of the things that I want to share with you really quickly is understanding what we need to do. See, my uncle's a pastor, and he has a hard time talking to me right now. He was over Presbyterian Church. He couldn't believe I was Spirit-filled church. But now something about that. It's about he can't believe like we would put Chermino up governor in our church. But he's become so woke that there is no salt and light. There is no difference to what he's preaching. I'm like, you're so seeker-friendly. People don't even know the difference between what the Bible says and what the world says. And so I'm saying it in love, but he's so triggered. He just was, well, you guys, all he sees is, are doing the politics thing. We're not putting Tucker on a Sunday to preach the gospel. That's not what we're doing. We'll throw an event. Separate it. Why is that triggering for some people? Let's have a conversation. Let's have coffee. Let's dig, let's dig, let's not leave the church because we had a guy that is different than you believe, needs to be saying something different than what you believe. Let's go have a conversation. Let's look at the fruit. We judge a church or a tree or something by its fruit. I'm watching lives transformed, marriage is healed, the stuff that's going on. You're going to let one thing take you out? Yeah. So I'm not Jesus, and I'm not going to pretend to be Jesus. So I want to give you somebody else that we can model our life after is Paul. Paul, all throughout the New Testament, man, I got to give him props to Paul. He knew how to go into a tough crowd and win the crowd. He knew how to deal with upsets. He knew how to deal with situations. He used to go to different cities. He would preach to upset Jews, but he never folded like a duck chair. He never would run from the mob, if you will, but he'd stand in truth and listen and then would counter in love and stand on truth. How can we be the salt and the light? How can we be the light in a world of chaos right now if we can, can't just speak the truth without getting so rattled that we run away or start name calling or start getting aggressive in it? We're called to love people. We're called to love people. And I, wanna, I love this. I want to say this. I would love to argue that how we communicate is just as important as what we communicate. And as a church, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is to let you know, we should not be afraid of any subject under the sun if we're going to make the difference to the people we love. Not all my friends are saved. Not all my neighbors are saved. I lived in a neighborhood. It was all MDs around me. It was amazing that I'd be invited, my wife and I, to wine night on Friday's night, the first Friday of every night. And we had this nice little social, go from house to house and have some wine, just be talking. Man, it always started off so casual and nice until like bottle number two. <laughs> and every one of them, they all wanted to start asking me about questions about vaccines. It was crazy. I'm like, man, there's some heat on this. Every one of them would have an intellectual conversation with me, but one. The minute one of these MDs would ask me the question about my opinion, the place would get sound. He just, I'm out of here. He couldn't even handle the conversation. It's amazing during COVID, all those MDs, they called me first to ask me my opinion. 
three of them under care at my practice now. We have some of the greatest intellectual conversations, open banter. They respect me, I respect, and we still don't agree on everything. But it's amazing because now one of them has just come to our church. The other two are asking questions. One's Jewish, and we have the most incredible conversations. He gives me a hug every time he gets adjusted, and he says, I feel like I have no one else I've ever been asked to be able to have these conversations about this. And what's amazing is it's just a conversation. He's not trying to change my belief. I'm not trying to change his belief. He's not calling me an anti-vaxxer. I'm not getting all indignant. He's very intelligent. He respects my intelligence. We have a common ground because we care about one another to the point where the number one thing he wants to talk about now is the gospel. He's never opened the New Testament was raised Jewish, was told it was evil. Don't ever go there. He's now reading the New Testament for the first time in his life, and he's 41 years old. You never know how God's going to use you. But he said, what I loved about you and why I love talking to you is when that other guy, name unmentioned, would start attacking you and calling you names at wine nights, you never budged. And he goes, and I know you didn't justify, you didn't get defensive, it's like you knew what you're talking about. I watch peace come over you, and I want that same peace in my life because I don't have it. People are watching you. Paul's so incredible because I really believe he's the model of civil discourse and action. See, generating disagreements, you're always going to have disagreements, but I love it because in the New Testament, the epistles reflect careful attention to managing disagreements and conflict within the church and outside of the church. Paul did this. He says there's three things. If you study the epistles, there's three main things that he was talking about. He says you're always going to have disagreements because of sin. Some of it's ignorance. I love it in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, for example, a particularly scandalous sin was apparently being tolerated by at least some members of the Christian community, and Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians and I quote, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you of such a kind that does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. He's talking about it. In church, he didn't back down from it. He's saying, this is not right. He's just saying, this is disobedience in the church. So listen, you might sit there and have to bring up this civil discourse around sin, but your job isn't to try to beat them over the head with the Bible. Your job is to love them through the sin so they can get victory on the other side. We have one of the largest awakened recovery. Our recovery is like the largest in San Diego. The judge now has seen the refruit of our recovery program and wants to start sending people that are convicted so they can do time in jail or they can do our recovery course. That's from our legal department. Because we're doing it in love. The second one is disagreements from ignorance. For example, Mark 9, the disciples are caught arguing about a very odd topic. Who is the greatest? I love it. So just out of ignorance, they're talking about that. And it says in verse 35, if anyone wishes to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. The disciples were ignorant about true greatness. But Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about it. The third one is disagreements that result from a clash of worldviews. It's pretty much our own BS. 
What? To the pure, all things are pure. I meant belief system. It's our own belief system. Wow, we're going to have to pray. Uh, you knew that, yeah. Pastor Samuel, altar call. Yeah, no. It's about our belief system. What is our belief system? How were you raised? As preachers, teachers, mothers, doc- we, we were raised around and we developed a belief system. But does it line up with the word of God? What makes it true to you? Doesn't make it truth. It's got to line up. Edify the word, line up with the word. Otherwise, you're going to hit yourself against a rock. Are you open to the conversation about your worldview? Like I had someone tell me, it's like, yeah, um, I'm for abortions. I'm like, but you're a Christian. At some point, we got to have this conversation. Like, what does the Bible say? I'm not judging you. I just want to know where in you are you getting this belief? I just want to talk about it. Can we do coffee? It might take three. Our adrenal glands are going to be jacked. But I'm willing because I love you. Let's just talk about it. Here's what the Bible says. At the end of the day, you either believe what the word of God says or you don't. And it's okay. I'm not judging you. Work it out with Jesus. He will work it out with you. The last thing, just because I'm over for time is I want you guys to look up the Yale Law School issue that just happened. This is why it's really important to understand what's going on. And as a church, I wanted to talk about it. Yale's the number one law school right now, so they say. But how I find, found out is there are clerks. There's 35 clerks to the Supreme Court justices. We're looking at vetting a new Supreme Court justice right now. They all have clerks. They actually say that clerks can sometimes have more power because the power to influence. And just years ago, one clerk switched a vote of one of the Supreme Court justices and why Roe versus Wade wasn't uh, changed back then. So super clerks have a lot of power. Well, why Yale is ranked number one is because there's more clerks that are attorneys that are judges that are from Yale than any other uh, law institute right now. So when they see the fruit of, of great clerks, they go back to that law school. And so what just happened now is freaking out attorneys and justices and and high-level judges around our nation right now because they just brought in from the the Alliance Defending Freedom, they brought in this attorney. And this attorney went in to argue creation versus evolution against the atheist versus this, and they were going to have this great civil discourse. You know, this is free speech. So they were going to do this in front of all the students. Well, what happened? The mob showed up. All these young attorneys showed up and they lost their mind and started throwing things, acting out. And they're like, hey, hey, wait, this is Yale. Civil discourse. This is what we have founded America on that we can agree, disagree. This is what attorneys do and who can argue this. But at the end of the day, let's go get a beer afterwards. Hey, great debate, great this, great. No, no, no. They lost it. They couldn't even, they had to stop the debate. They had to leave armed security, had to come in to protect this woman that was defending, saying God's real. This person saying, no, you know, I'm atheist. God doesn't exist. And they were just going to have this great, and they were in agreement. They were perfect. It was the young students that will be judges, that will be Supreme Court nominees, that will be clerks, that make policy in America. And if we can't have these kind of conversations, then our freedom of speech is on the line. And she said something very interesting. I think she goes, if the church 
doesn't start teaching their youth, young adults and kids and people of their congregation about how what Jesus did with civil discourse, our country is doomed. And it starts and ends with the church. I literally got so convicted, I couldn't get it out of my spirit that I said, I'm not going to back down from preaching about a topic that God wants us to stand on to know that even he is the way, the truth, and the life. But he gave a free will to love and let every one of you make a decision what you want to do with your life. He's not forcing your hand, manipulating your hand, shaming your hand, guilting your hand. The Holy Spirit convicts, the devil shames. But there is a devil that comes to destroy our life, to cause conflict in marriage, to cause conflict with our kids, to cause conflict with each other. But listen, any parent loves their kids. We gotta kick the devil out of our families out of our businesses, out of our relationships with our neighbors and love one another. And how do we do it? Paul goes on and I missed it again. None of you get any of your points. And I'm sorry, you stayed to get your points at the second service. I'm just gonna give you my notes. But Paul was amazing because Paul went on in the New Testament to talk about, he demonstrated courage, honesty, respect for others. He practiced what I call regard for context meaning that he was willing to go to places and have tough conversations out of respect for their beliefs. He didn't want to disrespect. Sometimes he would have them outside the temple because he didn't want to disrespect the temple, but he never backed down from tough conversations. What I love about Paul, he exhibited a lot of patience because he knew he was sent to reach the lost. And Paul would withstand. He would have tough arguments for three months, the Bible says, and one time argued up to two years, just saying, I'm not leaving here until my pe- these people get it. He loved them so much because he knew Jesus wanted him to stay. And he, I mean, we're talking the fruit of the spirit. He needed some patience for him. He had some self-control. He didn't lose his mind. He loved them. I want to pray for us as we leave today, because I want to let you know, I know this isn't blowing sunshine up your face and But I think it's something as we go into this level, God told me your church is going into a level of spiritual maturity, that we're gonna have real conversations because of where I'm taking you, you're gonna build footings in the foundation of the men and women that I'm bringing to your church because you will not be able to sustain or handle the growth of where I'm taking your church if you can't produce spiritually mature men and women. And in that, I was like, man, we got to have tough conversations around how to have carefrontation in a loving way because we love one each other. We're each other's champion. So let's have carefrontations about blind spots. I don't want my, like, listen, would I let your kid run out in the street right out in front here? I would be a horrible pastor or just human being if I saw your kid running out there in between cars and I go, hey, hey, hey. Or if a car was coming right, go out there and grab and save the kid. Same thing is true with sin. If I see sin in your life, I'm going to point it out, not to judge you. I'm just saying, hey, bro, you're married. Like, let's draw the line on some stuff. I do it out of love. Let's do whatever it takes to fight for one another. But like, it's amazing. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings. Oh, yeah, I wanted to say something about Samuel's girl in the middle of the street, but I just didn't want to hurt his feelings. That might challenge his parenting and let his kid run in front of the car. So I'll just let her get hit. No, I would never do that. 
I would never do that. Then why are we dealing with our brothers and sisters that say they're Christians, but living in sin? I was like, man, just let's get married already. So Pastor Sam, I met this guy. I was like, bro, just get married. He has someone in his life that didn't call him out. And I was like, it's not that big a deal. Let's just do it the right way. So you can walk under that blessing. I'm not judging you. Let's just do it. I wasn't afraid to have that conversation. I want to see this guy blessed. He doesn't go to our church, but I need him to. Because I love him and he's doing so many influential things, but I don't want the enemy to take him out. So I'm going to speak some truth to him. Out of love, whether he does or doesn't, I'm not going to judge him. I'm still going to go out and have fun. But I just want him to do the right thing. Maybe no one's ever said it to him. Maybe he doesn't know. I don't know if it's ignorance. I don't know if it's just... But I want him to know and it's I'm his champion. And I think as we can learn as a church, you're going to see the fruit of what healthy church looks like how we can cheer on one another, how you'll see businesses flourish. One thing that I've already broken in my life, they're like, oh, you don't want to do business with, you know, someone in your church. I'm only doing business with people in my church. I'm going to break that because we're not going to grow up and raise a bunch of of fake Christianese people. We're going to raise people with character and integrity and disciple the right way that I want to see the fruit. I'm like, man, I see what's on that life. Man, I'm hanging out with Dylan. I want to go hang out. And do stuff with him. I want to do stuff with the people that I see fruit of your life. Do a fruit check. And then let's do business and advance the kingdom. Let's take territory. Let's be landlords. Let's take ground. Let's do start businesses. Let's fund one another. Let's see radical things happen for the kingdom. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for us. Come on. I'm just going to say a prayer. I think it's so important. We're going to land this plane. And then whatever you need to do today, take someone out to lunch, love them up. Hey, there's a guy on the corner of San Marcos right when you get off. Yesterday I saw him, he's making leashes, leashes and collars. I saw him on the way to Tucker and I said, hey man, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I didn't get the jab. I lost my job, but I still got to provide for my family. So I'm out here just doing whatever I can. I was like, oh, how much are those things? And he goes, 30 bucks. And I said, I don't have anything on me. Can you make me a 10 foot one? How long is that leash? And he goes, oh, six feet. He goes, just using the gifts God gave me. And he goes, he didn't know who I was. I didn't say who I was. I said, I'm a pastor. I didn't say nothing. I just said, I'll be back tomorrow. So my wife knows I'm driving straight over there and I'm going to buy up a bunch of leashes. Because I saw a man just doing whatever it took. He didn't, he didn't feel sorry for himself. He goes, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my family back, to get this back. And I was thinking to myself, man, this guy isn't going to, he's going to watch a bunch of people come and buy those things from him. And then somebody's going to say, oh, he's going to have to say, how did you guys hear about this? Why are you guys buying my leash? He's going to say, right there, man. One day I know I'm going to see him. God showed me he's going to be walking out of church. His face is going to be melted, meaning he's really crying. God's going to restore him, redeem him, all because of an encounter of people that loved up on him. We didn't say anything. We didn't go hand a track. I didn't give him a following Jesus book. All I did was buy a leash off him because that's called translating. Sure, he needs a Bible. Don't get religious on me. We'll we'll figure that out later. But that's not what he needs right now. He needs someone to buy a leash and buy a collar. If I didn't have a dog, I'd still be doing it. But let us pray. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord. Make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's discord, bring unity. Where there's doubt, bring faith. Where there's despair, bring hope. Where there's darkness, bring light. Where there's sadness, bring joy. In the name of Jesus. 
God, I know that when we give, we receive. That when we pardon, we are pardoned. God, and I thank you, Lord, that you set this church here for a reason to affect Bressy Ranch, Carlsbad, Oceanside, San Marcos is right down the street. You gave us this region for a reason, not to judge your kids, but to love your kids. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're giving us grace. You're giving us hearts to see them in their brokenness. God, where the world is in chaos, you're bringing awaken to bring peace and joy. God, Lord, that we operate in the fruit and your power. God, that we're going to pray for the sick and they'll be healed. God, we're going to see marriages restored in this house. I'm going to see friends that have lost relationship due to politics being healed because of your love. God, I refuse to let colors divide this house. There's no red, there's no blue, there's only you. So God, I thank you, Lord, that you bring unity and blessing. You bring joy. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you, God, that when the season gets more chaotic, this light will shine brighter. God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. May we yield to that. May we receive your love, your salvation, your grace. And teach us what your lordship looks like. Let us be a great church that disciples in great ways. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.